So Alan and Gail Sims met at the University of Kansas in 1971. They were married January 27th, 1973. Both would receive their undergraduate degrees from that university, and Alan would earn his master's in public administration from KU, and Gail would receive her master's in management from DBU after moving to Texas. After completing his degrees, Allen, from 1986 to 2000, held various positions with the city of Overland Park, Kansas, most recently serving as deputy city manager. The couple moved to the God-anointed and God-blessed state of Texas when Allen was appointed city manager of the greatest city in the land, Cedar Hill, right? In March of 2000, yeah, that's awesome. It was great. And so he would, he would hold that position to retire in 2015. He went, he went to work for the city of Dallas, a slightly less great city than Cedar Hill, as a chief of neighborhood, plus in charge of strengthening and revitalizing neighborhoods all over Dallas. Gail went to work for the city of Waxahachie in 2000 as a human resources director, and she retired there in December of 2016. Alan and Gail are both members of Trinity Church in Cedar Hill, where Alan serves on the Trinity Church and Christian School Board of Trustees. He also serves on the Transformation Vision Board. He maintains his membership in various professional and civic organizations. And not to be done, outdone uh, by Miss Gale, Miss Gale herself was recently elected to the Cedar Hill ISD Board of Trustees. Wow, come on. She also serves on the Cedar Hill Community Development Corporation, the Kansas University Women and Philanthropy Commission, and the Texas Municipal League Employee Benefit Pool Board of Trustees. That's a lot of, that's a, that's a big acronym right there. Allen was honored by the Cedar Hill City Council when they renamed the Recreation Center, the Allen's E. Sims Recreation Center. See, I went there for a while until I started getting tired on the treadmills and getting sore after working on the machines. Like, look, man, I can do that anymore. And so he also went to the. He also was the recipient of an honorary Doctor of Law degree from Northwood University. The Lifetime Achievement Award was conveyed upon Allen by Texas City Management Association and received the same honor from the Kansas University City, City Managers and Trainees in 2015. Allen and Gail have four adult children and seven grandchildren. I told you they weren't normal people. <laughs> Mr. Allen has a building named after him. She was like, "Wow." That's- that's incredible. We, we are in part two of our love series. Everybody looks at the person next to you and say, the love series. There you go. Y'all did really, really good, you know. It's Valentine's Day, and so for some of you guys, the love series may be a little something different, but we are. We're talking about loving our spouses. And if you would get your Bibles out, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 with the emphasis on our key scripture there in verse Eight. And right before that, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it goes on and it gives you a scale of what love is. It goes through love is kind, love is patient, it does not boast, it does not keep record of wrong. And at the very end of that, in chapter, I mean, excuse me, in verse 8, it says all of these things. It says, but love never fails. Love never quits. Love never stops. Love is a very, very powerful thing. We see in John chapter 3, verse 16, and it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love is a very, very powerful thing. In Romans chapter 2, verse 8, it says that his loving kindness draws people unto repentance. Love is a very, very powerful thing. See, I understood fully the power of love uh, right when I was, was about 19, 20 years old. 
See, I had just graduated high school, and I had two loves in my life. Number one was God, and number two was hunting. I loved to hunt so much. I loved it. Oh, my gosh. Every weekend was taken up by every free moment. All of my books when I went to college, I was, man, it was all full of hunting magazines. I loved to hunt so much. And on Wednesdays, as I, as I played in our band at our church uh, in Arlington, was Academy Sports and Outdoors. And I love Academy. I would just go walk around. You know, like many girls can go to the mall and just, you know, window shop. I would go to Academy. And I was sitting there talking to one of my friends behind the counter because I was there all the time. And as I was talking to him, my eyes locked on a beauty I had never seen before. She was standing behind that counter. I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I've just fallen in love. And I asked the guy at the counter, I said, hey, do you, do you know that? And he says, yeah. I said, could you introduce me? He says, yeah, that's a Beretta Extrema two shotgun wrapped in a Remington <laughs> And a real tree camo extra pattern chambered it in a three and a half inch magnum. That's a 12 gauge shotgun, my friend. I said, I want it. And as I held that thing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what love feels like. I held it, I put it up to my cheek, and I was like, oh man. Never have I felt the love so strong, right? And so, and so I love myself so much. I was like, I will not go in debt over you right now, but I will save up and you will be mine, right? And so I saved. And I saved, and I saved. That shotgun was about $2,000. I was saving as a, as a college student trying to put myself through college and, and do my best to serve the Lord in ministry. And, and I saved, and I saved, and I saved. And about six months into saving, I met my beautiful wife, Myrna. Yeah. And, and at the time, we were just friends. And, and for nine months, we, we were friends, and we started dating. And I was saving, saving, saving. And it came about the time where, where me and Myrna's relationship got a little serious. And right about that same time, I had enough money to buy my shotgun, the love of my life, the one that I love so much. And I had a special account, and it was labeled Beretta. Yeah, and I loved Beretta so much. I was like, oh, Beretta, you will be mine. And about that time, I, I knew I was going to marry Myrna, and I had a, a, another fun labeled Ring, and it was empty. And so, so it came to that time where I was like, all right, man, shotgun fun is loaded, right? And I was like, man, I could be blasting turkey by spring. And get dove by September. My gosh, this is this is good, you know. Man, geese, all man, this is great. Three and a half inches of shotgun power gets me exactly what I need. But the ring fund, oh man, it's it's desolate. And so I prayed about it long and hard, and I was like, you know what, Lord, man, I think this is it. So the shotgun fund got drained, and the ring fund got fully funded, and we got married. The power of love. Let me tell you something. There was. I didn't think that there would be anything that could pull me away from that shotgun. And Mr. Allen, as, we were, as I was telling him this story, he says, have you gotten that shotgun yet? And I said, no, sir, not yet, Mr. Allen. I'm still saving for my Beretta Extrema, my, my Beretta Extrema too, man. I love that gun. And uh, one day, but I love my wife, 11 years of marriage that we've had. But that pales in comparison to 45 years of marriage. Come on, Mr. Allen. Ms. Give it up for that 45 years of marriage. And, uh, you know, we want to ask, we all want to know, how did you guys get here, 45 years? Well, I'll just say, a lot of it wasn't easy, but for the most part, it was putting God first. Uh, once we realized that it was God who brought us together, once we realized that he was the one maintaining us, us through this wet, uh, marriage, uh, we, we've been able to stick it out through the thick and the thin. Through the ups and the downs. Yes. And, through and the ins I, and the outs. So, and, and what I would say is, how did we get here? Honestly, 
Only, only by the grace of God. Only by the grace of God. And so what you've got to, uh, in this period, as she said, one thing we knew for certain, God had brought us together. And so when, and by the way, every marriage goes through those ups and downs, ins and outs. But you got to make up in your mind, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give up. That's and that's really good. Now, Michelle, Miss Gail, were you guys uh, Christians when y'all first got together? No, 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 no. Alan, uh, his parents got saved when Alan was six months old. So you know that this guy is pretty special. And he was brought up in the church. I was not. And so naturally, that brought some different issues into our marriage. At, at the time, he did, he had walked away. He wasn't serving God. We were at KU, and we, we were living the life. <laughs> Party, <laughs> whatever. But no, we were not saved. I won't go into that. And, and um, an interesting thing happened uh, during that time. So I was born in 1952, and so when you're a teenager, you know, 13 years old, you're in the mid-60s, and uh, very few would really know what happened, but for me as a young uh, black man, there were things happening in the country that were very concerning to me. I mean, they were lynching black folks. They were turning hoses on, you know, grandmas and grandpas and just sick and dog. And it's so it, I can tell you now, looking back, that a hatred developed in my heart for white people. I'm not proud of that, but that's, that happened at that time. God has a sense of humor. When I was at the University of Kansas, I met this one white guy, and um, after a period of, you know, the Bible says the pleasure Pleasures of sin are for a season. Well, after that season, he came back into my life again and began to witness to me, began to pray with me, began to tell me about the love of God. And I got saved. And it was funny that the, God used the very thing that I hated to bring me to him. So it broke the hatred that I had. And so one day, um, I, I'll keep this short, but uh, my mother, um, she's a sweet lady, and she, the Bible said, he who winneth souls is wise. So my mother uh, said, uh, why don't you come down for family dinner, Sunday dinner? And I said, sure, because my wife's, my, my mother is a great cook. And, but the rules in our family's household where you go to church and then you have dinner. Well, I didn't mind going to church, even though at that time I wasn't saved. Um, I had sat through a million altar calls, and I thought I was immune to the gospel. You know, they would say that. <laughs> And I was like, it, it doesn't bother me. So I didn't mind coming to church. But after that guy had been witnessing and praying, it just had birthed something in me. And when the altar call came, I went up to the front and surrendered my heart to the Lord. And the interesting part about it is at that time, I didn't care about anybody else. I only was concerned because I needed to give my heart to the Lord. And I looked up, and there was my wife next to me. Uh, she surrendered her heart to at the same time. Because as this guy was witnessing to Alan, there was someone over here that God had sent to talk to me. And I knew nothing about salvation, so God had sent someone over here to talk to me as well. Now, Mr. Allen, as we see in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ 
loved the church, and he ultimately gave himself up for her. Now, that seems to be heaven's clearest expectation about how we should treat our wives. How, what are some practical things that we can apply, things you've learned that we could take that, that you've said, hey, man, this is the way I've honored that? Well, in, in that scripture, uh, you know, women may disagree, but I think that's one of the toughest things because it says we are to love our wives the same way in the same manner that Christ loved the church. And that, the, the love that he had for the church was incredible. But there's a couple things that come to mind when I think about uh, how Christ loved the church and how I try to do, be toward my wife. And you all were singing about that when I first walked in. I was a, it was like a confirmation. And you're talking about, uh, I'll never leave you. And, and the Bible talks about the Lord as being Emmanuel. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, uh, I'll be with you end of the world. And that's, in, in my heart, I endeavor to be there, be there for my wife. You know, men, women go through things. And one of the most powerful things I've learned from her, she appreciates when I'm there for her. She went through uh, the death of her mother. And she was very, very close to her mother. She went to the death of her father. She had a job that was very difficult. She was the director of human resources, and she said, I love my job except for the humans. <laughs> you know? So Sometimes. <laughs> and, and so what I endeavored to do was just be there. And that's, if I would encourage anybody, for your spouse, just be there. I mean, it, just having that person there is, is really, really important. And something else, when I read the Bible, I saw something about Jesus that really shook me a little bit. I saw him more concerned about the needs of others than his own. And that was very difficult for me because when I got into the marriage, you know, I got my needs and I want my <laughs> needs taken care of. And what I learned over time is, you know, sometimes your needs are met. You get angry and you get mad. But when you really read that about how Christ loved the church, you had to understand that he put the needs of others, the needs of the marriage, the needs of my wife first. And that's something I'm growing into is putting the needs of the marriage and her needs first. And then the last thing I will say is what I saw about Christ is that he protected the church. There was safety for the church, security. And I'm going to do everything in my power to protect this lady, to make her safe and secure. And Ms. Gayle, you know, in the same way, uh, in Ephesians 5.22, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. You know, this seems to be heaven's expectations of wives. Will you just tell us some truths uh, about how to accomplish that? Well, be, before I go into that, let me just give you a little bit of my story. Uh, as we said, Ellen and I weren't saved when we got married. Uh, he grew up in the church. I didn't. Uh, I grew up with an al There were 10 kids. I grew up with an alcohol alcoholic father who was physically abusive. And so I, I had two older brothers, and then I was the third. Um, my oldest brother left. He went away to school. And, you know, that was okay. I, I, I could deal with that. I understood. But my brother right underneath him just walked out on the family. He just didn't want to have anything else to do with it. He didn't care what happened or anything like that, which left me, and I felt the burden to protect my mother and protect my brothers and sisters. 
But at the same time, it gave me a very, very warped view of men. And I had this, this was my thinking, that ain't no man going to tell me what to do. And I brought that into my marriage when we got married. And so, and naturally that caused a lot of heartache. Uh, but after we got saved, I'll never forget, I, I was real conflicted. I mean, very conflicted because I, I still had all that stuff when I, when I was growing up. And then here was this guy who was trying to tell me what to do. And so uh, I was real conflicted. And I remember my grandmother, uh, my father's dad, uh, my father's mother, I'm sorry, say to me, she said, now that you found religion, you know you're going to have to forgive your daddy. And that was like, how, how do you do that? How do you do that? And, but in doing that, in uh, uh, forgiving my dad, allowed me to see Alan in a totally different light. Um, I saw him then as my, my protector, my covering. And that when you read the scripture, he, Alan said it, that, he was to love me as Christ loved the church. And we know the church is Christ's bride. And there's nothing in the world that he is going to do to let that go. And I, I came to realize that, you know, that was my, my job there was to walk with him. We were taken out of Adam's side to walk alongside him. And submission is not necessarily, and it is not servitude. You know, walking behind, you know. Uh, well, I do pick up after him sometimes. But <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Tell all of but, our secrets. <laughs> but it's not, it's not servitude. It's not slavery. It is simply respecting him for the man that he is, for the godly man that he is, and coming to be walk with him and just to know that he, he's going to be there for me. And I want to say for the record, and she is correct, in the very beginning it was very challenging, uh, but this woman, uh, that scripture, she exemplifies it. She lives it. And so I, I'm thrilled today that God has got us to this place as, uh, in this position. But that scripture about submitting, she's there. I love it. Okay. Now, in 45 years of marriage, you have to have had established some, some godly habits and some, some practical things that you guys do on a daily basis to get you 45 years of marriage. I know for 11, it's been like, man, we're trying to establish those things now. But 45 years, there's got to be things you've put in place that uh, have really solidified that. So can you shed any light on that? Well, to start off with, I, I make it a habit of praying for Alan each and every day. I don't know, you know, everything he's going to encounter I know the kind of job he has, but I don't know the things he may encounter that I need to make sure I'm praying for him. I pray for him when he leaves, and throughout the day, I'm praying for him just to let God know to cover, cover him, to keep him safe. And, and for me, um, so we were talking earlier, I don't know why, but I just get up early in the morning. I don't, I wish I could sleep later, but... Five, five thirty, sometimes as late as six. I'm up, and so she's still in the bed, and I will go into my office, and that's my time. 
and, I, and, and my prayer is the number one thing. She knows, and I'm, that's my time to pray for my wife, my kids. I pray for this wonderful city that, that we live on. I mean, that's my time. So prayer is absolutely n- number one. The other thing I would say is you've got to establish that the marriage the marriage is your top priority. The love that you have, your relationship is the top priority over career, over job, over church. And I, I can tell you, we attended a church um, in, in Topeka, Kansas, and there was an expectation that they, you were going to be there every day and all day and evenings and weekends. And I, I came to the place that I had to establish my relationship with my wife, even over church. I know that people might sound, think that's crazy, but you've got to establish over uh, job, career, even some, and kids, and I know the kids are very important, but I, I, know a, a, I know of couples that didn't do that, and when their kids got out of the house, they divorced. So you've got to establish that as a priority. One, one of the things that we do uh, in, in, in establishing our marriage as a priority is that whoever is home at the time that the other one walks through the door, that person gets a hug. That person gets a hug. There have just been times where Alan has come home and I've given him a hug and he's just kind of collapsed. It it has been that kind of a day for him. And just to have that hug, when I would come home, uh, sometimes I could almost be in tears, but to come home and to feel his hug. And sometimes... I, I would just let him wrap his arms around me. Just, just let him wrap his arms around me and just rest my head on his shoulder just to feel that, just, just to feel that love. You're right. That's, I would encourage anybody. I mean, I, it is absolutely wonderful to come home to this pretty woman and she gives me a hug, I'm telling you. And she will put her arms around you and she said, how you doing, baby? And I say, I'm all right now. Yeah. I say I'm all right now, and so and she knows when she walks in the door, she's gonna get a hug. And there's sometimes you get busy, and if I'm forgetting, I forget something, and she'll be standing there and like, boy, bring it, you know, <laughs> give me my hug. And I do the same thing. It's like, uh, you know, where's my hug? And so, but that's a a, a habit. That's yes. a habit we have. Yes. That's a habit. That's awesome. And then you also said that laughing together, that you guys have fun. <laughs> we do. We, we, we do. I mean, that we, we spend a lot. We tease with each other, uh, you know, in, in fun. We make fun. Of now, who's other. the bigger jokester? Who, who's, who's, oh, okay, Mr. Allen. He is. And you know what? Uh, I can remember at one time, uh, we were at a Royals game or something when we were still back in Kansas, and uh, it was on my job. And when I went to work the next day, they said, oh, wow, your husband is so conservative. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, who are you talking about? <laughs> because he is. He is a jokester. I, 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 I love just... Yeah, we do. Uh, humor, the Bible talks about humor. It says uh, a merry heart does good like a medicine. And I can tell you, when you're going through some very difficult, humor has a way of, like, releasing uh, some stress and tension. And so I can tell you, we laugh a lot. I mean, just, we have lots of fun with each other. I mean, it starts in the morning. 
It'll go all day long, late at night. We're, we tease each other, and, but we laugh a lot. And, uh, you know, this is something that Jonathan and I have probably need, you know, have been working on. It's how do you balance such a successful career, a family, you know, uh, serving in your local church? How do you balance all of that and still have a healthy marriage? One, one of the first things we do is we established a date night. Um, when, when our kids were growing up, when they were at home and all, we didn't have a lot of money. So date night may have just meant sitting at home, watching a movie with the kids with popcorn. That, that, that's what date night may have been. But we knew it was time that he and I were spending together. Our, our kids were there, but we were spending that time together because... Eventually, where we are now, our kids are, have moved down. Thank our, you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> our, uh, it, uh, we've both retired from our jobs. And I didn't want to wake up one day and look over at this person on the pillow next to me wondering, who is this person? We established a date night. We established, and it, it's, it's grown uh, even from just Friday nights. But in the beginning, that's what we did was establish a date night. And, and she's correct. And so Friday night, I don't let anybody call me. And, uh, you know, uh-uh. uh, that just like uh, I don't accept appointments on Friday nights. That's our date night. I mean, that's, that's what we do. But there's something else that I like to do, and this is just me. But I flirt with her all the time. So, I mean... This, this woman still looks good to me, and I, and, and I flirt with her all the time, and I never will forget, I call her my girlfriend, and I was um, invited to this big event in Dallas, and they know I'm married, and so I said, can I bring my girlfriend? And they were like, oh, my God. Like, but everybody that knows me knows that I refer to my wife as my girlfriend. I say I have more fun with my girlfriend, you know. And so uh, I flirt with her. She knows she, she's my girlfriend. She's going to always be my girlfriend. So. Well, one of the other things uh, that, that we allowed, uh, we, we didn't do a lot of talking at home about our careers, things that were going on, but we did allow the other one to be able to vent, mm -hmm. to, to, to get that out, uh, you know, just to get it out. And when I say, you know, just, just let me get it out, I didn't need you to fix it. Alan was a fixer. That's what he did. I eventually had to tell him, I just want you to listen to me. Let me get it out. And once it was out, that was it. I was good. I just needed to get that off. And that was really revelational for me. And, and she said it's right. I mean, I, I admit, I mean, I'm a fixer. That's what I do for a living. And so she was telling me all about all these problems. And so I immediately went into fix-it mode. And she said... I didn't want you to fix it. I just wanted you to listen. I was like, I mean, I was just, and I knew, I, I know that, but I, she had to communicate that to me. And that, that's really, really powerful uh, just to sometimes just be there, listen. Now, if we see this, that you guys have been married for 45 years. Yes. Going back in time, if you could, you can get a little time machine and go back. What would you give yourselves advice as single people, you know, back, 
dating and, and, and dating others and things like that, what, what would you give, you know, single Miss Gale and single Mr. Mr. Allen? Because we would still call you Mr. and Mrs. Gale and Mr. <laughs> Allen. And so, uh, but, but what would you give yourself as advice? I would tell the single Gale to, hopefully the single Gale back then would be saved, okay? Yeah, come on, come on. I would tell her to wait on God because going into marriage it is no longer about me. It, there, there's two people here. It's no longer just about me. There's another person whose needs, whose wants, whose uh, just emotions are going to need me. It's no longer about me. And, and I would say to that, Alan, I would say to him, uh, Alan, um, I was at that time 20 years old when I got married. We've been married for, I'm 65 now. And 20 years old, I would say to that, Alan, grow up and mature a little bit. Wait a little bit before you get married. Um, we grew up in the marriage, figured out who we were in the marriage. I would say, figure out who you are. Um, discover who you are yeah. before you get married. I mean, that was a little challenging because... We're in this relationship, and we're figuring out who we were. And I would say to those, I would say, you know, f discover who you are. Yeah. You know, wait a little while before you get married. That, that's what I would say. And, you know, I know in 45 years, is there one big regret in your marriage that you can think of? Well, not, not one. <laughs> <laughs> Every, every marriage is going to have regrets, of course. There, there are things that I said I wish I'd never said. There are things that I did I wish I'd never done. There are things that I, I, I wish I could have changed the outcome and all. But through those regrets, and, that's, and understand, for any married couple, for any single person who's thinking of getting married, there are going to be regrets because... Yeah, something will be said, and just like that, you'll snap back with something. But through that, I learned, and, and I think that's why we are where we are today. We learned spiritual warfare through that. We, on an individual basis, because I'm sure Alan has some things he, he had to let God deal with him on, and he had to let God tell him how to fight that. I know I did. I know God, I was saying, God, how do I get through this? How do I get past this? And, and, and let me back up just a little bit. When you say, when you do things that you know are wrong, forgiveness. Mm. You, you've got to ask, yep. please forgive me. It, it does not make you any less a man, any less a woman to say, forgive me. But through that, I, I say, Lord, how do I get through this? How do, how do I work this out? It, you know, how, how do I, I, I hurt him? You know, I, I'm feeling guilty for hurting him. How do I get through this? And the Lord really worked with me uh, to fight spiritually, not only for my own salvation, but for Alan and for our marriage. And once we got through that individual working through, we came together. And we realize that, you know, this is worth fighting for. This is worth fighting for. This is not worth allowing the enemy to destroy us, to destroy our marriage. 
um, when the first church that we were at after we got saved, people would come up to us and say, you know, I finally decided I, I'm going to get married because I've been watching you guys. And you guys are just, oh, wow, it, just the way you are. And through that, I, I think the enemy moved in. But you know what? Through our coming together, through our fighting, through our determination that we were going to keep looking at God, keep allowing him into our marriage, I think that's where we are today. That's how we got here today. And one thing I, I will say, that there is not a person on this earth who can touch my very core except this guy. Nobody, not a person. So I, I will say one of the biggest regrets that I had was there's lots of regrets. But one of the biggest regrets was she told you how she was when she first came into the marriage. And so I tried to change her. And um, that was something, it, it came to me that only God can change a person. Now, God eventually changed her, but when I tried to do it, it just, I was getting resistance. And so that was something I had to learn. I had to learn that uh, only God can change a person. And I, I had a brother who got married, and the lady that he got married to I thought was a perfect spouse, but that marriage didn't last but a year. And I, asked, I said, Stephen, what happened? And he said, she tried to change me. And I, that's something that, that I think it's really important to let pray that God would change them either. And, and I'm, that was a regret. I tried to change her. And then the other thing I would regret is um, I'm, I can be very direct. And, and, you know, when you're in the business world, you've got to communicate directly. And sometimes in her um, being kind to me or something, or maybe she fixed something, and it wasn't exactly the way I wanted it, and I was a little too direct in responding. And I hurt her because she was in love doing this, and I was direct in my response. And I, I realized I have to watch what I say because the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And sometimes you can, uh, in your communication, you can really, really hurt some. So this is, there's some things that I regret that, that I had to change my style yes. so it helped our marriage to be successful. Now, you said about change. You're not talking about, you know, your personality and mm -hmm. things like that. You're just talking about adapting. Yeah. You know, there, there's things that you would, you know, alter as far yeah. as your communication yes. and things like that. You know, I learned early on in my marriage, there's things that, that, I, that I did that just rubbed murder the wrong way. So I was like, well, I'm going to change that. I'm going to yeah. try to fix that and better myself. Why? Because... I love her, and I want to accommodate her, yeah. and she would do the same thing back. And yeah. so, so it's it's not about changing who I am. I still laugh and joke and do all yeah. those things, but it's that accommodation. That's so yeah. good. That's so good. You know, one thing that we always say is, "Let Gail be Gail, let Alan be Alan." God created Gail the way God created Gail. God created Alan the way God created Alan. And there's nothing in the world that I can do to change that. But you said it right, adapting. You know, and I have, I have a funny story about this. You know, John, like Jonathan mentioned, he's a big hunter. 
And so, and so outdoorsy, I'm the total opposite. I do not like to be outdoors or anything like that. And so he said, well, Myrna, come with me, come hunting with me. And I thought, well, I'll do it this one time. I'll try it. And so, of course, he went and got me all camoed up and everything. You have to look the part. You have to be. That's uh, that's my kind of shopping. I like to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, that was a shopping spree. So, so, man, I'm putting all this stuff on, and we're like in this trailer, dark. This this, and I thought, man, I'm already in it. I might as well keep going. And so. He said, well, we have to climb up there. And I'm like, okay, a tree stand. So I have to climb all the way up this tree stand. It is so cold. In the dark. It is so cold. I don't know if there's bugs or snakes or anything around. Like, I don't. All those things were around, right? And so (laughs) so I'm sitting there. You're in the woods. You're in their environment. I'm freezing. I can't feel my toes. I mean, my nose is just running. And I'm just thinking, this is the worst ever. And I, I thought, man, I haven't seen anything. All I've seen is birds, and I can go bird watch at the zoo with my kids, like, you know, be more comfortable. But it showed him I, I could do something for him, and I hope that he appreciated that because, you know, it was I a sacrifice. I did appreciate it. I did. But the reason why we didn't see anything is she was talking the whole time, and she wore perfume. And so I wasn't entirely my fault, but, uh, but. That's kind of the way we are with fishing. <laughs> I hate I hate fishing. Yeah, I but you know, it, it really showed that, that Myrna showed an interest in what I did and, and the fact that she said, You can go do that now. I'm like, All right, cool. And so I, I took her the one time. And my hope is that we get again, maybe we can do that together. And do so, you uh, do you still own your camo? Yeah. Yes, it's still tucked away in the attic yeah. in a bucket or something. <laughs> yeah, so she's still got it. Yeah, it's good. And so anyways, hey, if you would stand across, stand to your feet all across sanctuary this morning. Man, can we get up for Mr. Allen and Miss Gail Sims? I mean, 45 years of marriage under their belt. Man, there's so much wisdom that's right here, and we only tapped in on just a little bit of it. But Mr. Allen, Ms. Gale, would you please pray for us and pray over the marriages and even the single people? Before I give the... Um the mic to my wife. It's just before service started, um, the Lord just brought something that there's somebody in this room that needs to know what I'm about to say. And yeah, it's worth it. Somebody in here is thinking, is this worth it? And somebody is thinking about giving up. And I'm serious. This just came to me right before the service. Somebody in here was thinking about giving up. And I sent us here to tell you, it is worth it and don't give up. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for this day. We thank you, Lord, most of all for your love. Lord, a love that was stretched out on a cross for us. Lord, we thank you for how you are moving in our lives. I thank you, Lord, for marriage. You have established marriage. You have established it, Lord, as a union between a man and a woman where we can come together as one to worship you, to praise you, to let you get the glory through our lives. I thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our midst. Father, I pray for each married couple here. Lord, that you would bind them together with cords that cannot be broken. Lord, I pray that you would bind them together, oh God, in true, honest, agape love. A love that has no conditions on it. A love that says, you are first and I will be, walk with you. Lord, I pray that you would be in the midst of each one of these marriages. Lord, individual, make you a priority. 
that you will make, they will make you the number one individual in this marriage, that they will give up themselves, Lord, for you so that you can direct and guide and lead them, Lord, in this marriage. Lord, no matter how, whether they're newly married or whether they've been married for years, Lord, I know that you can still be in the midst, <clears throat> that you still have things for them to do, even the singles. Lord, I pray that you would establish within them, oh God, to look only to you for that mate, that one that you have for them. Lord, and that you, oh God, would bring them into oneness with that individual. Lord, and as they prepare themselves, Lord, Lord, I pray that you would just give them wisdom and knowledge. Lord, help them to glean from those who are married on the proper path to take, on the way to go, Lord. Hallelujah. Father, Lord, we come now and we say that no weapon that's formed shall prosper over these marriages, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over marriages. And when the death angel would come to destroy marriage, they would have to pass over and go somewhere else. We pray that they would be covered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would just uh, strengthen the marriages, Lord. Help us to love one another, Lord, and help them to see and experience the beauty, the beauty in marriage that you have ordained. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.